ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Bhagavad Gita as it is translation and commentary by his divine grace AC Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada chapter 10 text number 8 translation and commentary by his divine grace mm. who knows this verse should all know this verse so um, now we're going to recite this verse so please recite it very carefully with the idea of learning it अहम सर्वस्भवो मत सर्वर्तते मत्वा भजन्ते माम बुधा भाव समन्विता हैंडितिंगडित Everyone learns so many things at school, right? So if you can learn all those things at school, you can also learn verses. That will be actually helpful for our real improvement. So everyone chant very carefully and uh with attention and learn this. So this is considered the first of the f- four uh important verses in bhagavad gita mm. in which krishna states uh an essential feature of his godness or the, what what makes god god why is he god bhagavata in sanskritam um now we understand from prashara muni that there are six basic opulences of the supreme personality of godhead which are what who can say one strengths we're not asking let's see any ladies beauty beauty yeah that's good what's the word in check krasa krasa i thought i heard rasa in english crass means anyway means gross anyway any more from slava slava fame yeah, yeah. glory kirti hmm you got the ladies saying them all now hmm uh, op- opulence um opulence yeah. riches wealth yeah okay let's get back to the men see if they know renunciation okay one more knowledge knowledge okay you got them all aishvaryasya samagrasya viryasya yashashashriha jnana vairagya yashchaiva shandang bhaga itingina now <coughs> from our perspective or from the conditioned soul perspective the strengths of god is usually stressed 
his overlordship of everything. We find that in the the Christian concept of God is almost totally restricted to his being the creator. He created everything. He's powerful and strong. Such restricted knowledge of God gave rise to the theory that God is dead. He created the world, but we didn't see him since then, so he probably died a long time ago. Not understanding the, or, or not understanding that he is the creator and much, much more. Uh, he's, he's not only the, the supreme creator and controller, he's also the most beautiful, compassionate, kind, merciful, etc. But if we, if we only uh, conceptualize of, of God as the creator of this material world, as that's like his greatest glory, then we, then, uh, we think of his mercy, compassion, benevolence, and so on, in terms of our enjoyment in the material world. If we have no information of the spiritual world and spiritual existence, then we imagine the kingdom of God as being a place, something like the material world, meant for our enjoyment. One uh, respected Catholic theologian, as Prabhupada used to call them, um, uh, around the, it must be in the early 19th century, English, his name was C.S. Lewis. He wrote a series of books which were uh, interesting children's stories, but actually they had a, a theol- they were the- allegorically theological. Was that translated in Czech? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was the first one. Uh, no, probably lion, wasn't. Witch. The, it's the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was the first of the nine books in the series that he wrote. Wardrobe means cupboard, something like that. A, a cupboard uh, in which clothes are kept. So anyway, I won't go through the whole silly story. I can't remember it anyway. But it, uh, the conclusion is, the, the whole story comes out in the end in which they all go to heaven. And they find out, it's just like England. <laughs> <laughs> Although Prabhupada thought that it was like, England was like hell. But there's this, I, there's this idea that, uh, oh, there's another, another, theologian from England, one of the ex-archbishops of Canterbury, which means he's the head of the, all the Protestants in the world. Uh, no, all of the Church of England affiliated churches. It means the biggest church after the Catholic Church. So, um, in his old age, well, they're all old, but uh, he was asked, what do you plan on doing when you go to heaven? They presumed he was going to heaven because he's the head of the church. Although according to Vedic understanding, uh, he was almost certainly heading in the opposite direction. Beef eaters don't go to heaven. So anyway, he said, well, I'll spend the first hundred years uh, praising God and the rest of eternity enjoying myself. This is the, uh, the highest theological contribution from one of the greatest, from one of the top leaders of the Christian world. So it's uh, based on their limited understanding of God being the creator of this material world. And they think, well, that's about it. That's all he does.
And this material world is a place for us to enjoy. And in the Protestant ethic, it's, uh, the idea is that, well, this mature world, God is kind and God loves his followers. So the symptom of one who's very religious is that he has lots of money because God's blessing. Uh, then another problem they have is what in, in uh, theology, in Western theology, is called the problem of evil. If God is good, then why, is there, why are there bad things in the world? If God loves us, then why is there so, so much suffering and bad things? So the traditional explanation is that they made up Satan. They invented Satan. God's powerful, but there's this guy called Satan who's also pretty powerful. And he gives God a hard time. <laughs> but God's, God's just a little bit more powerful, so... You should take shelter of God, and even though Satan's very powerful, in the end, you should believe in God. God will triumph in the end. It'll be a hard battle, but he'll overcome in the end. It's all based on ignorance. It's all based on the misunderstanding that I am meant to enjoy, and if there is any God, he's supposed to help me. God is very merciful. He gives me uh, plenty of money, plenty of nice young women to enjoy, and he kills all my enemies. And uh, all the bad things come from Satan. But that means that uh, if, if Satan can independently create bad things, then that means that God is not the sole creator. He has some rival. But here Krishna says, Aham sarvasya prabhavo, everything comes from me. And they say, well, how can bad things come from God? Let's look a little bit few verses ahead in this in Bhagavad Gita. Lord Krishna says, text 4 and 5, well, okay. this chapter. Buddhya, Krishna is talking about different qualities that come from him. Buddhya jnanam asammoha kshama satyam dhamma shamaha. That uh, intelligence, knowledge, freedom from doubt and delusion, forgiveness, truthfulness, sense control and uh, peacefulness, control of the mind. These all come from Krishna. Next thing described, sukha, that comes from Krishna. Next, dukkha, distress, that also comes from Krishna. Bhavaha, birth, that comes from Krishna. And abhavaha, death, that also comes from Krishna. Bhayam cha bhayam eva cha. Fear and fearlessness, that also comes from Krishna. Then, ahingsa samata tushtis tapo dhanam yasho yashaha bhavanti bhava bhutanam mata eva pritagvidaha. All these various qualities, Krishna says, comes from me, come from me. Non-violence, equanimity, satisfaction, austerity, charity, fame, and infamy. All comes from me, Krishna says. Then Krishna goes on to... Explain Maharshaya Saptapurve Chatvara Manavastata Madhava Manasajata Yeshang Loka Imaprajaha. Then Etang Vibhuting Yogang Chamama Yoveti Tatvataha Sovikalpena Yogena Yujate Natra Sangshayaha. So in this verse, verse 8, Krishna uh, is uh, summarizing what he's just stated that everything comes from me. I've described these things that come from me, and actually everything comes from me. Everything is generated from me. And uh, he repeats that one who knows this engages in my devotional service. 
and he adds, he, he elaborates that they engage in my devotional service with bhav, with feeling. So everything comes from Krishna. There's no Satan. Um, ignorance, foolishness, hatred, they all come from Krishna. Now how is that possible? Well, uh, even the apparent the bad qualities are also there in the spiritual world, but in a pure form in which they act in a manner nourishing to Krishna's pastimes. And even the good qualities in this material world, like like uh, peacefulness, self-control, charity, kindness to others, if they're not, yeah, if they're not focused on pleasing Krishna they're actually uh, detrimental to the individual and all others he comes in contact with. Just like uh, on the subject of tsunami, after the tsunami, so many welfare agencies went in to help the people by giving them food. They had so much food they were refusing it. So did they help them or didn't they? Well, if they only gave food for the body or new fishing boats or fishing nets, they were asking for that. Our devotees told. They went and said, we don't want food. We want give us some new fishing boats. So uh, actually, although it may appear that they were helping, uh, on a deeper level, we can understand that they were committing violence on them, the so-called welfare workers, because they were in reinforcing the bodily concept of life which caused people to... Uh, be subject to the tsunami in the first place. I am this body, you are that body, I've got some food, you don't, I'm giving it to you, and despite all the bad things of this material world, we shall cooperate together in a humanitarian way and live happily despite everything without Krishna. And because they think that God is a partner in our crime of enjoying this material world, that... Uh, we're doing godly work. This is, this is religious to help others. So, uh, the so-called good qualities of this material world, they're actually bad qualities. You know this? You can translate it. Mm. Um, Those who are not devotees of Lord Hari... They have actually no good qualities. There's what they consider to be good qualities is only according to their mental speculation as such. They're See? on the mental platform. Because the so-called good qualities of this material world, they nourish the uh, concept that we belong to this material world and thus they, they are actually bad qualities. Whereas in the spiritual world, even the so-called ignorance foolishness which is there, that is all transcendental and wonderful and pleasing to Krishna and nourishes his pastimes. It's like uh, ignorance in this material world. We're ignorant of the reality that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That's also there in the spiritual world. Mother Yashoda is ignorant that of the fact that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But her ignorance is not born of envy of Krishna, but of overwhelming love for Krishna or the apparent foolishness we see in Krishna Leela. Sometimes the uh, Krishna is 
playing jokes on the gopis and they're playing jokes on Krishna and may look Krishna look like a fool. He's looking, they steal his flute and he doesn't know where it is and he becomes bewildered. So the apparent foolishness or bewilderment, it's all uh, nourishing Krishna's wonderful, exhilarating, transcendental pastimes. Now, even Krishna's apparent envy or violence, that's also all, all auspicious. In the Nectar of Devotion, it stated how Krishna had uh, written a letter to this Kala, the Yavan, that you think you are a great fighter, but actually you're just like a big frog, and you should know that there's a there's a black snake called Krishna, which is coming to gobble you up. So this might seem like the kind of insulting statement that one person who is envious of another would make. But this is Krishna making this statement. That is his uh, transcendental mercy on Kala that he has become the object of Krishna's attention. So everything comes from Krishna, but because materialists have no concept of what is spiritual existence, even when they talk of spiritual, they just conceptualize it as a, as a better form of sense gratification. Materialistic people's concept of spiritual existence is either one devoid of all qualities or one of uh, enhanced uh, material enjoyment. So here when Krishna says, Aham Sarvasya Prabhavaha, it doesn't mean that he's just creating the material world. That's a very limited understanding of, of the Supreme Lord as the source of everything. We don't know what, every, what everything is. We have to learn from Shastra that there's much more to existence than this material world. It's like uh, cockroaches living in the outhouse. And, uh, you know, every day they, they think, this is, this is quite nice living here. Every day we get, you know, fresh stool to eat. Actually, that's another Indian thing because in, in, in the West, the co in India you'll find when you go to Pastul then the cockroaches come out. Right. The Indian cockroaches are fond of stool. They have nice big cockroaches and like this. So they're nourished on stool and they think this is very nice. So in the uh, cockroaches theological club, they're, <laughs> they're discussing... The nature of God, and he, God is, he created this toilet. God must, God must be, and he created everything, right? He's the creator, so he created this toilet. And we live in it and we enjoy ourselves. But there's also Satan who created cockroach killer. So um, this is an analysis, this is an, an analogy which shows the developed level of Christian theology. That they think God is creator of this material world, which is, after all, just like it's like some stoolhouse or something. It's the, it's the outhouse of the spiritual world. They have no information of the of spiritual world or spiritual existence. Therefore, they think oh, I'll I'll go to heaven and it's like England, and I'll uh, praise God for a hundred years, and then I'll enjoy myself for the rest of the time. And I have no idea of who is God and what is our relationship with Him. So to understand Krishna means to understand him in all his opulences. To understand that he is Ram, Nrsingha, Varaha, Kurama, all the different forms. That he is, that the original form is Krishna because everything comes from him. 
Even Ram, Nishingha, Varaha, Kurma and all the avatars, they also come from Krishna. That's what Krishna is stating here. The, the whole spiritual world is manifested from him. This, if we can understand, then iti matva bhajante mam, then we will worship Krishna with uh, full delight. How wonderful is Krishna? With bhav, with transcendental feeling. Not that, well, I, just uh, God is the provider of our sense gratification. But the opportunity to assist in supplying sense gratification to him who is the supplier of everything, that is the uh, theological understanding of the Vaishnavas. So let us try to understand what is the nature of Krishna as described in Bhagavad Gita. The subject matter that is described in Bhagavad Gita succinctly is explained in great detail in Sriman Bhagavatam. He is the source of everything, uh, but in Vaishnava understanding, simply that he's the creator is not the most important or, or, or the facet of the Supreme Lord that they concentrate on. Rather, Raso Saha, he is Rasa. The, the, the most important feature of understanding the Supreme Lord is not his uh, power in creating, but his, uh, the, the beauty of his personality and how we interact with him. He's not simply some uh, architect or cosmic construction manager, but he is the supreme, lovable person. Even though he's so powerful, his personal preference is to dance with the cowherd boys and girls. This is bewildering. Why should the greatest person be the, the, the source of everything be chasing around after some cows. Even Lord Brahma was bewildered upon seeing this. Lord Brahma knows, I am the son of Lord Narayana. Narayana, Om Namo Narayana, the great, powerful, exalted, supreme personality of Godhead. So, as usual, when there's any severe problem and the demigods can't work it out themselves, uh, we all go together to the shore of the milk ocean and call Lord Narayana, please come, time to appear in this world. Indrari Vyakalam Lokam Riduyanti Yuge Yuge. He appears in every age to uh, set right the disturbances caused by the enemies of Indra. And again and again uh, he appears and in various ways shows who's the boss. And that even great demons like Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu were extraordinarily powerful, even so powerful that Indra himself was uh, uh, terrified of them. But the Supreme Lord Vishnu comes and showing his great might subdues them and kills them. And he also shows his uh, great affection to his devotees as we're reading about just now in Bhagavatam. Narasimha Dev, his uh, affectionate dealings with Prahlad Maharaj. So, uh, he's very affectionate, but there's no, it's very clear that he is the supreme powerful. And Lord Brahma, of course, is more aware of this than anyone else in the material world. So, having called uh, Lord Vishnu, Lord Vishnu said, okay, I'll come again. And he showed, first of all, a four-handed form of Lord Vishnu, 
before taking to Vasudeva and Devaki, before assuming baby form, Krishna. And Lord Brahma was watching all this from the top of the universe and thinking, this is wonderful. My father has come again. But not a little bit. Lord Brahma was watching all this and as he was watching, he was saying, there's something, something wrong here. Why is he walking barefoot in the pasturing grounds? We're taking out cows. Something seems to be a little wrong here. It doesn't look like God anymore. What happened? What went wrong? So Lord Brahma, he was uh, beginning to doubt, is this Krishna really Narayana? What's going on here? So you, I, you all know the story, I hope, how Brahma stole all the cows and cowherd boys and thought, well, let's see what happens now. Let's see what he can do. I mean, I'm Brahma. What are, you know, a few cows and cowherd boys. Are, you know, for me to lock them away, that's, that's an easy thing for me to do. So he thought, let's, let's see how Krishna responds to this. He went back to see and Krishna was just going on with life as usual with the same cows and cowherd boys. So he thought, what happened? So he looked back in the cave again where he put all the cows and cowherd boys and they're still there. And he went back to see Krishna and they're still there. What's going on here? And then Krishna... Krishna showed how he himself had expanded himself to assume the forms of every single cow and cowherd boy that had been taken by Brahma. And every one of them was actually a Vishnu form being worshipped by many Brahmas and Shivas and different demigods. So even Lord Brahma was bewildered by seeing Krishna. That he, he... it didn't logically, uh, he, he couldn't logically understand it. It defied his logic how the Supreme Lord could take such a, a prosaic kind of position. Prosaic means like ordinary and mundane. Why would the Supreme Powerful Lord of the universe do that? The answer, Rasovai Saha. Because He's more interested in loving exchanges with his devotees than he is in being God. More pleasing than the magnificence and glory of opulence is simple loving exchanges. We actually find that in the pastimes of Srila Prabhupada also. That when his disciples recall Srila Prabhupada, their, their favorite memories are not how he defeated so many philosophers and established movement all over the world. But often you'll find their favorite anecdote is something when he said something to them, some small thing, which just sh- shows that he was, his loving exchange with them. There's a very nice series of uh, films being shot called the Prabhupada Memories series, in which Prabhupada's disciples recall their interactions with Srila, personal interactions with Srila Prabhupada. So uh, there's one of Mangalananda Prabhu, who uh, he was the first to make like modern style music with some Krishna conscious kind of lyrics. It wasn't hard rock, it was kind of tasteful music. So <clears throat> he... Uh, brought the tape and he had an appointment with Prabhupada and he brought the tape and played a little bit for Prabhupada to hear and Is asked it? if it was all right. 
And Prabhupada said, well, sometimes you have to allow the cow to kick a little bit, which I guess you could understand that he'd, he wasn't that enthusiastic about it, but he said, well, you know, you know, you have to, sometimes you have to let people do what they like a bit. So he more or less gave permission for it. And Mangalananda left the room. So Mangalananda's telling this story, this big, this big, huge American guy talking, a big, you know, Prabhupada called me in the room, and a big, really masculine kind of guy, not, not the kind of person we were talking about this morning. So then, then Mangalananda said, and then <coughs> Prabhupada called me back in the room just as I was leaving. And then he just burst, and he just started crying and crying and crying and crying. It went on for about five minutes. He was trying to speak. Every time he tried to speak, he just went on crying and crying and crying more. So after about five minutes, it's all on the video, and he says, he said, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the devotee shooting said, don't worry, we have a lot of cases like that. He said, we'll edit it out. But he didn't edit it out. He left it in. Uh Maybe they did edit, maybe he was crying for 20 minutes, but they only left a few minutes in. <laughs> so anyway, the, the point he was making, that Prabhupada called me back, you know, I'm Prabhupada's so great, and I'm just so insignificant, and Prabhupada called me back, he wanted to say something more to make me feel more encouraged. And 30 years later, remembering how kind Prabhupada was to him, even though Prabhupada was so busy, big world organization, all big sannyasis around him talking about so many big important things, he thought to call one small disciple back and give him just a few more words of encouragement. There's so many incidents like that. One of uh, my godbrothers, Godroom, he told me he was at Hyderabad farm and he was, Godroom was doing the night guard duty while Prabhupada was translating. So, uh, Prabhupada is sitting inside the room translating in the middle of the night and God room is standing outside chanting his rounds, like chanting Japa. At one point Prabhupada came out and taught him how to chant Hare Krishna because his chanting was so sloppy. Prabhupada took time out from writing his books, which are the, the books to save the whole world for the next 10,000 years. He took some time to sit down with one disciple and teach him to pronounce clearly the holy names. So like that, that, Krishna is the supreme powerful, but the most <clears throat> endearing aspect of him is his love for his devotees, which is expressed in seemingly ordinary dealings. Krishna seems like an ordinary person, especially in his Rindavan pastimes. And people can't understand how he's the supreme personality of Godhead. Even many Vaishnavas who, uh, they also like to hear of Krishna's Vrindavan pastimes, but they think that he must be an expansion of Narayan because Narayan is very great and Krishna is just kind of ordinary. But here Krishna says, Aham Savasya Prabhavaha, everything comes from me. That includes Lord Narayan. And it, that, that is an extraordinary feature of his greatness that his Greatness uh, in, in terms of opulence and power is not as interesting to him as chasing the cows with a stick and, and dancing with the cowherd boys and playing funny games and shouting in the well and names, playing games like this. So Krishna, mm -hmm. Maharaj was discussing how the Lord Narayan has some qualities which the jivas don't have and 
which even Lord Shiva doesn't have, that makes him the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Creator of all the universes, awards liberation to those he kills. His form is Satchidananda. So Krishna has all these qualities, but he has more also. Four special qualities which are not even seen in Lord Narayan, who is non-different from Krishna. Oh, oh, we got them all at once. Okay. No, I, th- I think one was missing. I heard gopis, so he has most beautiful. Even Lord Narayan is stunned on seeing the beauty of Krishna. Even Krishna is amazed at his own beauty. He said, I'm the most beautiful and I'm the object of, I, I'm supposed to be the supreme enjoyer, but I'm also the most beautiful and I can't enjoy my own beauty. I'm getting cheated here. My devotees are enjoying more than me. I better become a devotee. Uh, that. <laughs> that he is the supreme enjoyer, everything is meant for his enjoyment, and he is the supreme beautiful. But he can't enjoy his own beauty, whereas his devotees can. So they enjoy more than him. So he becomes a devotee to enjoy his says- own beauty. So he's the supreme beautiful. And we heard gopis, yeah, he has uh, associates with whom he enjoys uh, amazing pastimes of transcendental love, which s- far surpass even those of Vaikuntha. Lakshmi never chastises Krishna or tells him, get out of here, I never want to see you again. Because she also has the feeling that Krishna, or, or Narayan, he's the Supreme Lord, so very respectful in her loving relationship with him. Krishna's one name is Stavapriya, which means he enjoys to hear the Vedic hymns chanted in his glories. But he enjoys millions of times more the uh, disrespectful, spiteful words of his loving gopis when they're angry with him. Then I also heard the word form, that's also beauty. So what else do we have? Lord Narayan doesn't have a flute. It's very important, Krishna's flute. It's uh, by the sound of Krishna's flute, all the gopis come running to him. It enters uh, the material world as manifested as Gayatri Mantra. All the demigods and all the planets are stunned on hearing the sound of Krishna's flute. As described at Maharajananta, he's holding all the planets on his head. But when he hears Krishna's flute, he just whirls around and all the planets go, and uh, one more. Yeah, he has amazing pastimes which which are not possible for Lord Narayan because he's too grand. Prabhupada told a story to give some indication of how uh, love, loving exchanges are more important than Grand opulence. This is a story of William Gladstone, Prime Minister of the British Empire during the reign of good Queen Victoria, the Empress of quite a large chunk of the world. So he was the most powerful political figure in the world and he was famous as being very formal. He never smiled. (laughs) 
And in the parliament, everyone was afraid of him. He would just <laughs> stare at people and they wouldn't dare to say anything. So one man had an appointment to see him and he was told to wait outside his office. So he waited and he waited and he waited and went on a long time. And he thought, I wonder what Mr. Gladstone's doing. He must be negotiating some very big business of the empire, maybe planning a new attack on Afghanistan or something like that. Or maybe negotiating some new trade treaty with France. Anyway, maybe some big, big, important world politics business. It's, it's, that's why he's delayed so long. He's, I'm having to wait so long to see him. I wonder what he's doing. So he looked both sides of the corridors and there weren't any guards there. And he thought, let me just open the door and have a quick look and listen and see what's going on. So I just opened the door, had a look in. And there he saw the prime minister of the British Empire was down on his hands and knees on the floor, and little boy, looked like his grandson, was sitting on the back and whipping him like a horse. Got up, move faster. So with all the important business of the British Empire, he had spent the last few hours becoming a horse for his grandson to enjoy riding on. So Prabhupada gave this as an example, that, uh, that love... You, out of love, even the big man in this material world can take a very uh, subordinate position, an apparently foolish position, but because the love is more important than grandeur. All glory is to Lord Sri Krishna, who is the supreme, loving personality of Godhead, source of everything. And all glory is to Srila Prabhupada, who gave him to us. And all glories to the assembled devotees who are giving Krishna to others through Prabhupada, distributing his books, and in various ways helping to push on the Sankirtan movement. And if there are any questions about this, you're most welcome to ask. I'll spend more than an hour answering them tomorrow during my seminar. And right now we're going to follow the dictum of early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy and wise. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.